We've been talking about names. We've been singing about names. In the children's sermon, my son just gave himself a new nickname that I've never heard before. Apparently, he wants to be called Rocky. (laughs) The title of the sermon is, My Name is Isaac. Hello, my name is Isaac. Hello, my name is... Again, you've seen those name tags before. Looks like this. Hello, my name is at the top, and then in the white space, you write your name. We're going to be talking about names for the next several weeks, and names are a big part of the biblical tradition. They're a big part of the story of Scripture. Names obviously are a big part of our own cultural experience as well. We use names for identification. Names serve for association purposes as well. So you're a part of that family, huh? Names are how we first introduce ourselves. Thankfully, we don't start by saying, Hello, I am the reluctant owner of seven chickens. (laughs) We don't introduce ourselves, thankfully, by saying, Hello, I am the high handicapped golfer who almost took out a bay window at the clubhouse yesterday. That may or may not be true. The parents in the room do understand that when you become a parent, your identification does change in relationship to names. You start to be identified by your children's names. Oh, you're Wilson's dad, right? But even in our day and age, even in our cultural context, even with all of the interactions that happen online and digitally, our names are still really important. Even our digital social interactions are built around names and nicknames. A series of ones and zeros is not enough to identify us. Names are important to who we are and they're important in scripture. For the next few weeks, I want to explore some of the names of the early biblical story. And today I'm going to introduce you to Isaac. But before we meet Isaac, I think that we should probably review some of the names that appear in Genesis even before we meet Isaac. In the book of Genesis, again, the first book of the Bible, the first person we meet is Adam, the first man. In fact, the name Adam means man. And in Genesis, it is sometimes unclear whether the writer is talking about Adam specifically or just the story of humanity, because the first person's name, Adam, means human or man. The name Adam comes from the Hebrew word Adama, or ground. And you may remember that Adam is created from the dust of the earth, created from the ground. So man from ground. This is how Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says it. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. When we read that word man in that verse, we also are reading the word Adam, Adam or first man. Before long, the book of Genesis introduces us to another A-named man, this one Abram. In chapter 11 of Genesis, we meet Abram, and in the next chapter, God calls Abram and his wife Sarai 
to leave their home place, their homeland, and to go to a place that God will show them. In fact, since our series is all about names, it's important to note that God promises that God will make Abram's name great. This is from Genesis. God says to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. You may remember that despite God's promise of a great family, at the beginning of their journey, Sarai and Abram are not able to get pregnant. They're not able to start that family. And so for a good while, it seems like God's promises to them will go unfulfilled. God has promised them a family as numerous as the stars in the sky, but how can that ever be the case if they can't even get started? And so Abram takes matters into his own hands. Abram sleeps with his Egyptian slave, Hagar, and she conceives. And in Sarah's jealousy or despair, or maybe both, she mistreats Hagar and Hagar flees. But in this portion of Genesis, God goes out and finds Hagar, and he sends Hagar back with a promise and instructs her to name her child Ishmael, which means God hears. And this part of the story is really interesting. Hagar, who is a foreigner and a slave, names God in the book of Genesis. And she names God Elroy, meaning the God who sees. As we go throughout this story, there are a few times when God reaffirms God's promise to Abram. And so in chapter 17, God reaffirms this covenant that God has made with Abram and Sarai. And specifically, he says that he'll give Abram, who is now 99 years old, and Sarai, who is 90, children. And this is Abram's reaction when he hears that he'll have children in his old age. This is from Genesis 17. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Can a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Can Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Now, I don't know if you noticed or not, but when God reaffirms this covenant with them, God gives Abram and Sarai new names. Abram means exalted father, and Abram becomes Abraham. And Abraham means probably something like father of many, because Abraham is promised that his offspring again will be as numerous as the stars in the sky, and that he'll be the father of a great nation. Sarai is also given a new name. Sarai becomes Sarah. The meaning of that name is a bit more ambiguous. But in this story, what we sometimes call the Abraham cycle, the story of Abraham, names are an important part of how this story progresses. And that goes for their promised child as well. God adds when he's reaffirming the covenant with Abraham and Sarah, God adds that they will name the child Isaac. Hello, my name is Isaac. Isaac means he laughs. Abraham has laughed 
when he's heard that he'll have a child in his old age. And then in the next chapter, in chapter 18, three mysterious visitors show up to Abraham and Sarah. Scripture tells us that these visitors were from God. And they announce that Sarah is going to give birth to a child. Sarah's reaction is the same as Abraham's. She's away from where the visitors are meeting with Abraham, but when she overhears what they promise and what they say, Sarah also laughs. And we know this kind of laugh, don't we? The laugh of Abraham and the laugh of Sarah. It's a, yeah, right, kind of laugh. It's a, I don't believe that for a second laugh. This is what scripture says, says that Sarah laughed to herself. After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The names in this story help us to see that this is more than just a story about a miraculous birth. In the fact, this story makes it clear that this baby will be conceived in ordinary human ways. Scripture even says it through Sarah, after I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The story is about Isaac's birth and the fulfillment of the promise of a growing family. But this story, if we take a step back, is also the story of an almost broken family. When we take a step back, in this Abraham cycle, in this Abraham story, one of the things that we see is that things have not been right between Abraham and Sarah for a long time, for decades really. For instance, early on in their journey, when they went through Egypt, Abraham had passed Sarah off as his sister in order to save his own skin. This also is part of the story. It comes from Genesis 12. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know that what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Things have not been right between Abraham and Sarah for quite some time. There's also that major disappointment in their ability to get pregnant. There is the horrific stuff with Hagar, which I've just talked briefly about. A close reading of this story, the Abraham story, reveals to us clue after clue as to a tense and complicated relationship between Abraham and Sarah. But in this chapter, in chapter 18, when these visitors arrive at their home, Sarah is finally moving from backstage to center stage, and she laughs. Sarah laughs not only at the prospect of having children in her old age, but I think it might be possible that Sarah is also laughing at the prospect of that happening with Abraham between the two of them, and that happening between the two of them with love and intimacy. 
Remember, Sarah asks, after I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? Sarah is asking, could I really have a child? But when you read the whole story, you have to wonder, is she also asking, after all these years, is there really hope for the two of us? Is there really hope for us? And the thought of it all makes her laugh. What's promised, though, is exactly what happens. Just two chapters later in today's scripture from chapter 21, the promise to Sarah is fulfilled. Again, this is where Sarah takes center stage. This comes from our passage for today. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac, which means laughter, to his son whom Sarah bore him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. What we see in this story is that Sarah's sarcastic laughter, confused laughter, Sarah's, yeah, right, I don't believe that for a second laughter, transforms into laughter of unbelievable joy when Isaac is born. She has a son, and Abraham and Sarah give birth to their son, promise to them their son Isaac, laughter. Now, this great family, as we go through the book of Genesis, will continue through Isaac. And Isaac is perhaps the most stable and steady of Israel's patriarchs. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. Isaac lives in Canaan his whole life. And Isaac's name is the only name not changed in this great big story, the story of Israel's history. So we have Isaac. Hello, my name is Isaac, which means laughter. Abraham and Sarah are surprised by laughter. Have you ever been surprised by laughter? Do you know someone who just has a great laugh? Do you know anyone like that? I have a family member who just has a great laugh. It is a loud, generous, gracious laugh. If you tell a joke, it does not matter if it is any good. It does not matter if it makes sense. If he recognizes it's a joke, he will laugh. He also will laugh at inappropriate moments, which is wonderful too. He'll laugh when you're not even telling a joke. When I think about this idea of have you ever been surprised by laughter, I think about his laugh. I think about being, in fact, at a a few memorial services where his laugh would just echo through the room and it would bless the room with joy, this overwhelming, sometimes irreverent, but wonderful laugh. Have you ever been surprised with laughter? Have you ever been surprised by joy? Have you ever been presented with hope 
in a seamless, seemingly hopeless situation. Let's put it in terms of Sarah and Abraham's journey. Have you ever received an unexpected gift, a life-giving gift in a seemingly barren time? Has your, yeah, right, that could never happen laugh ever been transformed into, thank you, God, it actually happened? The story of Isaac's birth is not only the story of a miraculous conception. It's also the story about God's power to override not only biology, but also relationship and bringing about surprise and joy and hope and laughter. In the end, I think it's a story about God's power to bring new life, life out of barrenness, A baby life, yes, but also the new life of a renewed relationship and the new life of a restored hope for this heavenly promise. Has God ever made you laugh? Have you ever been surprised by hope? Have you ever been stunned by an unexpected blessing? Have you ever laughed and cried with joy at God's ability and desire to bring life out of barrenness? It might be hard to believe this morning. This next statement might even make you break out into a yeah, right, sarcastic kind of life laugh. But I want to share this good news with you. God's promises of grace, mercy, and love are sure. God's love will not forsake or fail you. So if it feels like God's call on your life is fading, if it feels like God's promises are drying up, if it feels like to you this morning that you are living in a barren land or a barren time, then I want you to hear this good news from the story of Abraham and Sarah and the birth of Isaac. God can make you laugh. God can surprise you with laughter and surprise you with joy. Like Abraham and Sarah, you need to keep your eyes and your heart open. You never know when an unexpected visitor or unexpected joy might show up. You never know when your life might give birth to new laughter. You never know when life might bless you and surprise you with grace, mercy, or love. Has God ever surprised you with laughter? Hello, my name is Isaac. That means laughter. Let's look for the blessings and gifts of God's joy and God's laughter among us. And let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we love how you surprise us. 
God, the good news of this story is that you can bring new life in unexpected and amazing ways. You can create around us and in us, even in our barrenness. Lord, some of us have come here today with hearts full of joy and gladness, and for that we give you thanks. But some of us have come here this morning empty. Fill us, O Lord, by your goodness and grace. Fill us, O God, by your love. Bless us, we pray, but help us also to always look for ways to be a blessing to others. As you promised and challenged Abraham that he was blessed to be a blessing, we recognize, God, that's our own calling as well, that you have blessed us, you have surprised us with grace and joy, but we're called to, we're called to bless others as we ourselves have been blessed and to love others as we ourselves have been loved. And so, God, we pray these things as we continue to worship you for who you are and for all that you do for us. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, that we pray using the prayer that he taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.